ComC is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 27 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time and ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. To stay updated with ComC, please follow them on social media at Check Out My Cards, one word, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn about offers, promotions, and more at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Everybody and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. I am coming off a weekend where I had a ton of fun with the family. It started off on Friday. I took the day off work and my youngest daughter and I went garage sailing. It's something she really got a bug for a couple years ago and now she's always wanting to, to go out to the garage sales with me and we were able to find some pretty cool finds. She found a couple cheap $1 items to flip that'll be, you know, 15 or $20 items and I came across this collection of about 150 vinyl records from the 70s and 80s and was able to work out a deal with the with the guy at the garage sale for $150 for those. So I basically paid a buck a piece for these and they're bands like Journey and Boston and the Rolling Stones uh, Grateful Dead was in there, Fleetwood Mac, Queen. There's just a bunch of great classic rock type albums from the 70s and 80s. And ended up went, going and buying a record player on our way home because it was something that I hadn't had for a while and, and I needed a, a new record player. So we went to, to Best Buy of all places. Also the first time my daughter's been to Best Buy. And we bought this record player. We came home, we hooked it up to the stereo system and she has kind of fallen in love with vinyl and records in the process of taking them out and looking at the the artwork and and she's just really having a good time with vinyl and so was already able to actually sell some of the ones they didn't want to keep i I think there's about 30 of them that i wanted to keep for myself to sell the other 120. Um, i've already made my money back still have about half of them to sell which is which is pretty awesome. I, I think I'm going to do all right with that. But it was really cool to experience both going to the garage sales with my daughter and then also um, finding a new item to, to flip and, and seeing her fall in love with vinyl um, early on here. So that was a lot of fun. I thought I'd share that story. Um, again, it kind of also goes to that, that opportunity to make a little money to fund your hobby with things like garage sales and buying and selling things on eBay it's a great way to, to spend a little time making a little extra money on the side. So we did that. Then as a family, we went bowling. The, the, one of the bowling alleys in here at the American Legion actually has uh, a program where kids bowl free all summer. And uh, the parents can also buy kind of an add-on pass for the summer for like 25 bucks. And so all you have to do is pay for shoes. But otherwise, we get to bowl for free as a family all summer long. So we did that Friday afternoon, had our movie night. Um, it, it was just a, a real nice opportunity to spend some time with the family this weekend. Something else that was even more prominent was something that I've been talking about a little bit recently, and that is how disconnected I am 
from new product releases. When I went into the shop on Saturday, a couple of people asked me if I opened up any Series 2, and I kind of forgot that it had even come out. It was It's that far off my radar of, of new product releases. And so they were asking, hey, did you, did you open up any? Yeah, I got some of these rookies. And I'm like, I didn't think there were any rookies in there. Or it was getting a lot of buzz about not having the rookies. And like, oh, no, they were short prints. And I, I have been so disconnected and so disinterested in opening up any new sealed product that I hadn't even dug in or looked into or researched what actually was included, what wasn't included, what things were looking like with Top Series 2. And so it was like kind of reinforced, yeah, I, I'm just really disconnected from new product right now. And, you know, I guess that's okay. Some might say it's not. I think it's kind of all right. Everybody's going to have their niche. Everybody's going to come and go at different phases or different segments of their hobby journey where they're more into the brand new stuff and where they have no interest in it. Right now, I've got no interest in it. Those are some pre-stories to our main topic. And our main topic is another interview. And it's a conversation with Chris McGill. Chris was originally known in the hobby from the House of Jordans podcast, and now he's known as one of the co-founders of Card Ladder. And so Chris and I have a conversation about content creation, about collecting in this modern era, how we go about educating new and returning collectors about what is going on and what are the topics and issues and things that new collectors and returning collectors need to be aware of. It was, a, it was a real enjoyable conversation. I had a lot of fun with it. I hope you enjoy listening to it. After I tell you about Underdog Collectibles, the online shop run by Collectors for Collectors that breaks new product every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday night. You can check them out at udogcollect.com to see what they're going to be breaking this week, or you can see them in their brick-and-mortar shop in Knoxville, Tennessee, where they also have a full selection of singles, wax, supplies, and you can even watch some of those breaks live and in the shop. And if you're interested in getting any of your cards graded, you can work with them because they are an approved group submitter to SGC. You can learn more about that at udogcollect.com. And when you check them out, make sure you tell them that Wax Pack Hero sent you. Well, today I want to welcome Chris McGill to the show. Chris is the former host of the House of Jordans podcast, the current host of several card ladder related content pieces, um, and also one of the, the guys behind card ladder part of that card ladder team and so i wanted to bring chris on have a little bit of conversation about content creation have a little conversation about card ladder and what what our collecting focuses have been recently so chris welcome to the show thank you for having me mike it's uh definitely an honor to be on the wax pack hero podcast just browsing the website too before i came on and uh yeah man i think you're one of the most important content creators and thought leaders in the hobby, in the hobby content space. So very happy to be here with you. Well, that, thank you for that. That means a lot to me. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of us creating a lot of different content out there with a lot of different ideas and perspectives. And so um, to, to hear that from you means a lot. So thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. For those who may not be familiar with you, Let's go ahead and start by maybe just getting a little bit of a, of your background in the hobby and, and what your collecting focus has, has been. Yeah, sure. I'll try to keep this short and sweet. We could all probably talk about our collecting backgrounds for a long time if we wanted to, but I collected in the 90s, primarily basketball cards. I was a kid then, obviously. Uh, now uh, I came back to the hobby in 2016 and focused on Michael Jordan cards. And then 
I eventually started collecting more modern players, started uh, collecting some Luca cards during his rookie year, moved on to uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey, football running back. Re most recently, um, started collecting Nikola Jokic. And then also, you know, I've definitely kind of dabbled to a lesser degree in a lot of other players' markets too. LeBron James have a few nice cards of his now. Lamar Jackson is a quarterback I really like a lot. I've got a pretty nice rookie card of his. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is another player who I've oddly struck up a pretty large PC quickly of. So, yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell where I'm at these days, man. So you started the House of Jordans podcast several years ago when that focus was primarily on Michael Jordan cards, right? But much like much like the, the pivot away from Michael Jordan's collecting being your primary focus, you also kind of pivoted away from, from doing the House of Jordans podcast as, as one of your content platforms. Talk to me a little bit about the pivot or, or maybe the mindset around pivoting both from a collecting perspective and from a content creation perspective. Yeah, so from the collecting perspective, um, collecting 90s Jordan cards is, is great. You know, it's mostly guys like myself who are in their 30s or 40s, you know, who have a lot of nostalgia for the 90s and then went off and went to college and got careers, got families, and then somehow rediscovered collecting. So it, it's cool. It's, it's a group that, is, that I've, I've got a natural fit with. But, uh, you know, there's just so many other exciting parts of this hobby, too that eventually when you're around the hobby enough, you go to enough trade nights, you go to enough local card shops, you open a box or two of some other type of products and you know, you want to enjoy that, that stuff as well. So that's pretty much all there is to that is just expanding horizons, I guess you could call it. And then in terms of uh, content pivoting, uh, you know, the house of Jordan's episodes, like I, you were telling me, Wax Pack Hero is now around episode 179 or something like that. Is that about right? Yeah, right around in the one, 160s, 170s. 160s, yep. 170s. House of Jordan's only made it to episode 43 or 44 or something like that. We Because for a long time, we just did one episode a month. And I would put a ton of research into it. You know, I'd prepare 10 pages worth of notes for myself and my co-hosts. And, uh, you know, we just... It would take between preparing the notes and then doing the show, which would last for hours, and then editing it afterwards and then uploading it to all the platforms. I mean, it would take a week out of my life, out of my spare time to do that. So the, the reality was with House of George, it just once we started doing card ladder, we just didn't have the time you know, to put in those hours and to do all that research and stuff. Right. So then we tried to like so the main content that I do nowadays is, uh, you know, we've, we've taken a hiatus from our YouTube show for a few months because uh, that, that takes a lot of work as well. And we've kind of just, we just do the crossover Instagram live show, which is Friday nights on Instagram live. And the content is driven mostly by collectors who write in questions. And so that makes it much easier. You know, the level of preparation there is I just put out a post that says, hey, send in some questions. We get some questions and then, you know, just kind of read them and riff off of them you know, the level of preparation for that is much lower. So, uh, and then we, you know, we record it, we put it on YouTube and stuff. So that that's kind of how the content pivot works is 
we just that that's really all we have the bandwidth for right now is doing a show like that there's been a lot of content conversation recently around this this idea or this focus on collector driven content and i think that's great i think that's a, a huge need that we've got but but sometimes i struggle a little bit with the idea that this focus ends up landing on high-end collections you know, there's times where you and Josh and even like Adam Gray, Nat, we, we hear about all of these high-end cards that, that are being, these high-end collections that are being built. But as I think about the broad collecting market, I think some of those high-end collections are, are outliers in the overall collecting landscape, right? And so I was just wondering from your perspective, where do you see like low to mid-end collectors who love base and inserts and set building and those types of things. How do you see them fitting into that overall picture of the collecting landscape? Oh, those, they, uh, set collectors in particular and insert collectors in particular are the ones who dictate the terms of what matters and what doesn't in the arenas that I like to dabble in. So it was set collectors who, you know, have made the PMG become so important in basketball cards, for example. And, uh, you know, there again, though, I'm, I'm venturing into talking about a high-end set, but it wasn't always that way, right? I mean, PMG Reds, you know, commons used to be 50 to 100 bucks for a long time. And people put those sets together and they kind of dictated what was important. Uh, you know, there is absolutely a place, a very important place in my hobby landscape for <clears throat> building sets, for opening product, which I think gets overlooked a lot too, is, you know, some of the more aspirational collections out there, you know, they don't really focus on opening packs or, you know, stuff in five rows with cards we pulled that we will probably never sell, but just it's fun to have and to look through and to smell and to open the lid and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, the, that, that lane of, uh, you know, the, I mean, to me, that's, that's, that's what the hobby is. That's how I started collecting. That's, uh, that's all I could do as a kid was um, wait for a birthday or a holiday and hopefully get, you know, a dozen packs. And then once I got them, I got to open all those cards. And then once I have those cards, I got to entertain myself with them for the next six months or whatever. So I get my binder. I change the order that they go in all the time. You know, I, I memorize the backs of them. Uh, I try to trade some of them that that stuff is the foundation for everything else if we don't have that uh you know nothing that happens at the high end makes sense the only reason the high end is aspirational is just because you know most of us have uh have felt that like you know we 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 know cards we know you know which cards are the best cards and which sets and we know which sets have the toughest pack odds and we know which ones have the best aesthetic appeal or you know, we know which uh, which vintage cards are have the toughest are the toughest to grade or are the are the, have the most difficult centering or have different registration issues. Like because we know all of that, that that knowledge builds the hierarchy. And so, I you know I definitely find myself being guilty of uh, you know 
fantasizing over aspirational collections a little too much, but uh, that to your point or to, to the, to the heart of your question, it, those, those aspirational collections don't make sense if we don't have the hobby foundation to, to go back to, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. You know, as I think a little bit about that, as we, as we touched on it a little bit earlier, actually, you know, sometimes our interests in the hobby change, right? And and we we look to expand beyond getting the the regular base and insert cards to some of those more aspirational cards. And and hopefully, as we grow and mature as collectors, we can expand the level of cards that we're interested in. If we're successful from the buying and selling perspective or the trading perspective, whatever it might be, we can level up as we go. You know, into some of those things. I think. The, the, the thing that, that catches me sometimes when I is when I hear some of those conversations about the, the high end or aspirational cards and the collectors who are interested in obtaining those, and that's great, can sometimes come off as dismissive of those other cards or, or what was thrown out as a commodity card or something like that. Um, and, so, and so I was just wondering is how can we as content creators do a better job of highlighting the segments of the hobby that we're passionate about without coming across as dismissive of those other segments. Yeah, we can definitely do a better job of it. I guess it, 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 on a certain level, you're never going to please everybody. Uh, but there, with that said, you know, I, I am always going to be more of a, an aspirational collector. Like I, I'll always uh, be thinking in my head, and this is going to be repulsive to a number of collectors, and I get it. <laughs> but I'm always thinking in my head, if I were to just take my whole collection, all of it, all the five rows, all the slabs, if I were to take that whole collection and sell it all, what's the best card I could get? <laughs> I, I always think about that. I, I'm always kind of thinking in my head, what is the very best grail of all grails that I could get? And by the way, I never do that. Right. I, I did that a few times early in my career, my collecting career, but I don't do it anymore. But I always think about that. So like to me, you know, that's a very uh, that's a very interesting like uh, I, I, I'm just always daydreaming about the big cards. You know, that's just guilty as charged, Mike. But how, can can we uh, can we have appreciation and a and the and the due level of respect to the other segments of the hobby? Yes, yes, we can and we should. And uh, you know, just because I am more of an aspirational or a daydreamer style collector, uh, that doesn't mean that I don't love. Dude, when 2018-19 Prison Basketball came out and it was affordable. Uh, at that time, about $200 a box for hobby. Christina and I built through a combination of opening product and from buying loose singles on eBay and from doing trades with people on Twitter and stuff. We built in total around 15 base sets and building those base sets is, uh, and, and then we sold them on eBay, you know, for like 50 bucks a pop or something, you know, oftentimes losing money because we don't just need all these single row boxes sitting around our apartment <laughs> but but uh but it's just fun to build it so that there's just as much fun to be had doing that as there is you know spending years uh seeking out that most desired card so i you know i'm not quite sure how to do it mike maybe you have an idea for how to do it but uh but i'm with you i 
that there are every segment of this hobby matters to, a, to, to different groups of people and it all deserves respect. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I would never say that we all have to collect the same way or that we all have to be interested in all types of cards or anything like that. And I don't even think we would need necessarily need to create, we all don't need to create content covering all of those different segments. I think maybe it starts with thinking, thinking through the way that we talk about some of those other segments so that while they may not be segments that we're interested in, we're not dismissive of them or, or use terminology that would seem to, to talk about those collectors or collectors who love those types of cards being less than other collectors, right? Maybe that's where it starts. Let's talk a little bit about card ladder. What was the inspiration behind card ladder? And, and you and Christina and Josh putting, putting some effort into that. Well, that kind of loops back to the House of Jordans question because Card Ladder was just the, systemati- the systematization or the, uh, the institutionalization of, uh, of what the House of Jordans podcast was, where it was just, uh, you know, finding interesting Michael Jordan cards and then researching their price histories and then kind of discussing how those price histories have evolved over time and, you know, kind of getting excited about buying a new card or uh, wanting to share it with people. And, uh, but, you know, when you're just one person and you're technologically unsophisticated, uh, it's hard to do much more than just a podcast with that. But Josh Johnson, who's the CTO of Card Ladder and co-founder, uh, he brought to bear an incredible talent stack in the software space and, and not to mention the collector knowledge that he has. So, uh, you know, he and I had been talking for years, um, prior to, you know, our launch in June, 2020. And we just, you know, even though we collected different players and we kind of came at the hobby from a different approach he was a bit like we had some commonalities, but also some a lot some differences too. But we both just really wanted to uh, contribute something to the hobby, and we both, you know, had like an overflowing cup of passion for the hobby. And it wasn't it wasn't enough to just make a podcast, you know, or or do the Cardboard Chronicles episodes. We both really really wanted to do more, and so you know, the idea just kind of came about at some point in late 2019, originally, just kind of batting around the idea of putting prices on graphs alongside nice big images of the card and references, you know, these were always sticking points for us was like, we want each page dedicated to each card to be like a Wikipedia profile. So that, you know, yeah, you have your price information. That's obviously, you know, the bottom line, important stuff. But we want a nice image of the card and we want the population report and we want references that take you to the relevant cardboard connection and or trading card database web pages for the card. And we always made sure that, you know, we did all that. And so, you know, you can like kind of go on my Instagram page and go back to like 2017, 2018, 2019. And you can see very primitive, like PowerPoint slash Microsoft Excel looking <laughs> graphs that, that, that were basically like, 
the early foundations for what a card letter profile would look like. I would put a little picture of the card. I'd put the population report. You know, I'd put pack odds if it was available. And that's kind of like the next step for card letter too, honestly, is like bringing on a, an editorial team that can really help flesh out some of this information. But that's more of a luxury desire right now. But uh, yeah, man, that's kind of how it started was just all those things kind of swirling together. There's so many features that are, are have been added on and built into card ladder at this point from, you know, the, the graphs, the charting, the comparisons that can be done, the watch list features, showcase and the collection features to kind of, kind of track your own collection. Any thoughts on, you know, getting back to that low to mid end segment question, mm -hmm. any thoughts on how card ladder can be used effectively for folks in kind of that low to mid end segment of the, of the hobby? Absolutely. So showcase is a lot of fun like there's uh there's well over 10,000 cards in there now and you know here's what's nice about showcase i mean nobody can come put a comment on your card nobody can you know if you you can elect to never be bothered <laughs> which is what a lot of collectors want i think uh but you can you can take pictures of your cards you can do scans of your cards and you can throw them in showcase and then you know it, it's a neat way you can publicly share the link. And so that's a way to kind of share or show off what you've got in your collection, no matter what it is. And there's nobody who can come along and say anything about it, good or bad. It's just, you get to show your collection and that's it. It's just that the, the star of the show is the sports card, nothing more, nothing less. So I like the showcase feature as an avenue to, you know, and you, you know, and, and you don't have to do it overnight. You know, I've been like adding cards to my, showcase collection um bit by bit you know just like a couple of scans a week here a couple of scans a week there and just kind of building it up and it's more fun that way you know because like when you add a new card it's, it then becomes like the first card that shows up in the showcase so that's kind of fun so like that's a way to do it and i browse showcase all the time and i just see cards that catch my eye and it's pretty neat so but i but i guess you know uh getting down to the the bottom line sort of functionality of card ladders that you know we're trying to uh give price information and so to that end you know there's the sales history feature which is uh which which unlike the the ladder database of cards which you know a researcher has to build that whole profile out and vet the full sales history for that card going back to 2004 and so on and so forth with the actual sales history feature itself um, I believe there's now over 40 million sales in that feature. It adds anywhere from 60,000 to 100,000 new sales a day. So there are cards being added to that, to the sales history database every day that cover the whole spectrum of prices. And within that feature, you have eBay, you have MySlabs, you have all the major auction houses. And that's, that's a great resource for any level of card any level of card whatever level of card i'm looking at whether you know i'm i'm adding a star star power plus of uh you know a, a, a semi star from the 90s or whatever the heck i'm looking i was just looking at derrick rose cards last night because a buddy of mine was telling me about a cool one that he's got his eye on i mean there's over 40 million sales night features so hopefully you know people looking at any segment of the market 
they can find the price information that they need. And that in, in like, look, obviously if the card sells a lot, you don't need sales history. You can just go to eBay sold and completed, but there are plenty of cards that haven't sold in the last year or two, or maybe haven't sold since the two thousands. And then that's where sales history really becomes a need. Card ladder recently became part of collectors and how have you seen this new structure benefit card ladder? Mm. Well, first of all, there's a prestige that's conferred upon our humble company and an app by being a part of the collectors holdings family of companies. So PSA is a sister company of ours. Golden Auctions is a sister company of ours. WADA Grading, that's the video game grading company. They're a sister company of ours. PCGS, which is the coin grading and authentication company. They're a sister company of ours. So that's a very prestigious group of hobby companies to be uh, grouped with, which, you know, right off the bat, that's pretty cool. Uh, and then in terms of being integrated into that corporate structure, I mean, you know, they've given us access to all types of resources and we're, we're our task is to uh, most responsibly uh, utilize them and not not get not get over our skis and and just try to um, you know properly utilize the resources that that uh, that we've been given so right now we we recently took on five researchers who uh, previously had worked in PSA's research department and then came over to help us and that's been a that's been a lot of fun it's been quite an experience you know I spent a month preparing curriculum to you know teach the research work and I spent another month along with Christina teaching it and uh, let me tell you I once romanticized the idea of being a teacher and that um that was quickly uh dispelled <laughs> and I know you have a background in education Mike but I, I quickly learned that I'm not cut out for it as, 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 as like, uh, as great as it seemed, you know, especially when I was in college, I always look at the professors and be like, man, I'd love to do that. But, uh, it's, it's not nearly as easy or as, as, uh, romantic as, as it seems when you're just the students watching, but, uh, yeah, so it's been great, man. It's, it's, it's really quite the privilege to be part of collectors. Over the last few years, we've seen a ton of people come back into cards who are either collected as kids and are now coming back as adults or, or some folks who have entered the market for the first time. And depending on the content they find, there's a lot of misperceptions that they can latch onto at the beginning. And whether that's the role graded cards play or how to buy and flip or listening to five cards you need to buy now type of content. There's so much for these collectors to learn to make sure that they don't have a bad experience in the short run as they're just getting getting into it. We want them to become lifelong collectors, you know, in whatever segment it is that they enjoy and are passionate about, not just the segments or cards that some talking head content creators tell them they should be buying. How can we as content creators do a better job in helping educate these collectors and maybe help them find their niche? Oh, man. That's the question of the day right now, in my opinion, uh, in the context of hobby contents. I think the key to making content that's going to unlock the lifelong collector and newcomers is content that conveys the 
intrinsic joy that card collecting and being a part of this hobby offers in and in, in trying to not uh, build hobby experiences around profit. And that's and not to say there is, there's anything wrong with profit. I think there's a place for celebrating and focusing on card price appreciation and doing it in a way that encourages people to, to participate in that. Like to give you an example, you know, prospecting in all the sports has always been, you know, a pretty important part of this hobby. And it's a pretty big driver of energy and enthusiasm for new product releases. And that's great. Uh, you know, it's fun that people can take a chance on a young player and either go boom or bust. Uh, that's cool. That's a fun part of the hobby. But uh, the, the, the fine distinction there is that the fun part of it, uh, the, the fun part of the hobby experience lies in going to shows and making acquaintances at the local card shop and building out your eBay safe search list and seeing your collection grow over time and making connections and relationships within the hobby network and the hobby community and being a part of something exciting. And then the enhanced connection to sports that we get and the way that our sports fandom kind of goes up another level when we also have a little bit of skin in the game through collecting cards. Like these, these aspects of the hobby, from my experience, are what make it sticky and, and are the reason why I want to stick around. If we, and, and so there's lots of ways to do it, you know, day in the life content, I think is a clever way to get at that. Me personally, I like more the, the cerebral style content that, you know, anal, that analyzes things to death. <laughs> That's what I like to do. That's what I'm here for. Overthinking is, is a lot of fun to me, but you know, that's not for everybody, but the, the content that we should be, be worried about, I think is content that has made the return on investment, the, 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 the focal point and the theme of the card collecting experience, because really what that's doing is it's just, it's building and encouraging hobby participants who who their hobby experience is measured by how much money they made or how much money they lost. And, uh, you know, that's, that's not a recipe for building long-term collectors who love the hobby for, for quite frankly, the reasons that I do, you know, there's, that's, that's a recipe for building people who will be here when the getting's good. And then who won't be here when it's, when, when, you know, we enter a period like we're in now where there's not as much money or return on investments we made, or people are even losing money. So I think that's, you know, I think long-term is, is, is a great word or, or phrase you kind of alluded to in your question. And that's, that's something to me, like I think the recipe to getting to thinking long-term is thinking, is putting the emphasis on the collector experience. And, and you, know, you know, Mike, at the end of the day, experience is, is way better than return on investment anyway. I think that's kind of the hidden gem here. The missing link is that life is short. Almost everybody in the hobby has a job. They have a career. They have an income. The, the experience and there's, there's just the hobby has so much more to offer and it can enrich your life in so many meaningful ways besides just the focus on return on investment. 
I think those are some, some great thoughts to wrap up with. Well, tell people where they can find you if they want to follow along to the content you're creating or learn a little bit more about Card Ladder and the other things you've got going on. Yeah, sure. Uh, you can find Card Ladder at uh, cardladder.com on the uh, Apple uh, App Store as well as the Google Play Store. So it's in uh, both Android and Apple App Stores. And there's a, a limited free version of the app that's still pretty neat so um you know you can uh, you can check out the app and or use it on the uh on the free level for as long as you'd like and then as far as me per, well and then also card ladder can be found on all the socials even tiktok uh, <laughs> uh we are on all the socials so and then uh you can find me on Instagram at Chris underscore H-O-J. That's short for House of Jordans. And then also on Twitter, I'm pretty sure my Twitter handle is at House of Jordans. So uh, you should, th those are the main two places where I talk hobby. So uh, yeah, I, that's about it, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I definitely encourage people to, to both check out the show and to check out Card Ladder. I've been having a lot of fun using it, building out my my collection and sharing it on the showcase as well. So it, it's definitely worth checking it out if you haven't already. So Chris, thanks again for coming on. It's always great to talk a little bit about the hobby, a little bit about collecting, um, and a little bit about content creation. So thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Like the athletes we admire, the sports card shop is changing the game. We're not launching threes, bombing drives, or hitting dingers, but we have built a unique gathering spot for all collectors to trade cards, talk sports, play games, and watch their favorite athletes on the big screens. Yes, we've partnered with Panini, Upper Deck, Leaf, Tops, Fanatics, Pokemon, and others to bring you all the latest in sealed wax and singles. But the sports card shop in New Buffalo, Michigan is much, much more. Our recent expansion brings collectible sneakers, Hot Wheels, and more sports and entertainment memorabilia into the mix. Our new Collector's Cave Game Room is the perfect place to throw a rip party, bring friends, rip packs, trade cards, play billiards, ping pong, shuffleboard, classic arcade, and Xbox games, all while watching your favorite sport on TV. Visit us at thesportscardshop.com. Follow us on social at underscore sportscardshop.com or better yet, visit us in person to learn about special events, party packages, new products, and everything we're doing for you. The Sports Card Shop, connecting people, sports, and the hobby around the world. Every time I get an opportunity to have a conversation with Chris, I enjoy it. So I hope you enjoyed hearing that conversation as well. Even though Chris and I's collecting focuses are a little bit different, his passion for the hobby and his desire to educate and grow this overall collecting community, I think, comes through in those conversations. And, and I respect that a lot. And I also love the fact that he and Josh and Christina have taken this passion for the hobby and built a business from the ground up to support that hobby and to make collecting easier for all of the rest of us. And so that's something I respect a lot about too, because I love combining both the business and hobby sides of collecting. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Reach out to me at waxpackhero at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at the Mike Summer or on TikTok or Instagram at waxpackhero. Reach out, let me know what you think. Let me know other topics or guests that you'd love to have me on and I'll see what I can do. 
Well, that is all I've got for you today. So I'll catch you next time.